our live one-on-one today, Chris Denman, a special guest. TJ live and in person. Oh, look out. No broadcast for you. We, we bust <laughs> out the big guns. We brought you into the sterile hospital field. Yeah, we just passed by Touch of Class Cleaners. Did you get a card bring, or anything? Bring a Touch that? of Class to the... Yeah, I would love... Wouldn't that be funny if I called them and I was like, can you just help us out in the hotel? Because right. I just don't trust the staff. <laughs> they even, just... Not they're not classy. Extreme. They're just yeah. not classy. Hey, listen, I'm a fucking star. Yeah, and please. I need, we, I, need the, the, I need the cleaning people to be in a tuxedo, come, you know, with white gloves, the whole thing. Anything besides Sinatra's playing in there? their background music you're i i just i don't feel like it's a classy cleaning and we've got the beautiful view of the taco bell across the street part of the ambiance here and i can feel that i just whenever i'm across the street from a place that uses horse meat that to me is most comforting I love judge dread do you know that my uh my uncle once we were driving my parents had jerry-rigged, or jimmy-rigged, or whatever you call it, a television, you know, those small televisions that had the VHS yes. player in it? The van? Exactly. Van. Yeah, put it in a Suburban, and we were they used bungee cords and plugged it in, and it was, I mean, at the time, we were like, my father's a genius. It's yeah. just, the, you know, as kids, we just shut the fuck up in the back. Right. And, you know, and for us, it went so quickly. This drive that was like four hours, we watched two movies. And my uh, Aspen, Colorado, from Denver. And we were watching these two movies, and my great uncle was with us, and I think he was in his 70s at the time or something. And Judge Dredd was one of the movies. So we pop in Judge Dredd, and I'm watching it thinking... This was a terrible mistake. I mean, even at the age I was, like, right. this is such a bad mistake. They don't even have sex with you, This is so right. embarrassing, right? You're also like, isn't this RoboCop? Like, what Basically. the fuck is going on? But with, the, I guess, a cooler villain. And that was Wesley Snipes, right? I mean, that I was so, yeah. vintage classic. Big Touch of class, Wesley Snipes. Pre-tax problems. And, um, and, and so... Let's look back on that. Can we... Vacate that. Like, think about all the dumb shit that happens in the world. Are you mad at Wesley Snipes for that? Nobody is. I I think the government is kind of like, we're over it. But it is a weird thing. And often this is business managers. Like, Johnny Depp just had this whole thing where I think he was just like wasted a lot. And his business managers were like, whatever. And so sometimes we're like, yeah, you don't have to pay tax on this, this, or this. And then all of a sudden he. Or you know, but gives you the wink. I've but, got the clever thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we no, I, we I'll did all the deductions, it. right? And um, and so I'm sort of embarrassed by this choice in film. And we get to the end of the trip, and asked when I said I kind of was nervous to ask him, and I because I really respected him. He passed away. He lives in Chanute, Kansas, this year, and. I'm going back for New Year's Eve to perform in Chanute as sort of a tribute to him. That's really cool. And yeah. we got a bench for him at the Safari Museum. Chanute is like a very silly small town in Kansas. And I we'll turned to him. To yeah. yeah. And so we, I turned back to him and I go, so uh, what do you think of Judge Dredd? Uh, literally dreading his response. And he says, Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, gosh, it was good. Really? And I said to my father, I said, Kenny liked 
Uncle Kenny liked Judge Dredd. And my father said, Uncle Kenny likes anything on celluloid. And I remember as a kid, I was like, cellulite? What? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't have anything to do with movies at all. But um, it, it is it is true. He just, he loved movies. He was, and I think that's a big part of <coughs> why I loved movies and I, I tried to get into film was because he was a guy, I'm hoping so. I just, I know that Cloverfield Paradox Lane 12 is coming. I know it. And I'm really gunning for being in Transformers 8. Coming to a theater near you in 2031. So how do you get from trips to Aspen with the VHS and the homemade put together stuff with your family? Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you have a good relationship with your family. If you're close with a great uncle, that's ex- that's exciting. Yeah, and he was sort of the patriarch of the family in many ways. Really? Yeah, he was just, it, it was a weird dude, never married. Um, he was an alcoholic that was sober for like 40 years. And he was in World War II, and he um, uh, he was a medic. And we only, he didn't ever wanted to talk about that, but we only heard one or two stories. And one of them is that a guy's arm had been blown off, and the doctor gave the arm, which was severed, to Kenny and said, you got to get the wedding ring off of this arm. And Kenny was like, how do I do that? And the guy was like, I don't know, just do it. Because he was like in the midst of emergency surgeries. And yeah, so this isn't in a clinic, this is in the middle of the This war. is the fucking war, yeah. yeah. And so he went outside and like got a bucket of soapy water and just dipped this human arm, this guy's arm, into, and then slowly figured out how to get the... But he did it. I mean, and I don't know, but there was a component of him telling the story where I was like, did he cut off that dude's finger? And so that was like the thing that he could tell us. So I I don't, I can't even imagine the horrors that he saw. And so, you know, but he was, he's always the nicest guy. He was so smart and so cultured. He taught himself to paint by numbers because he was colorblind and he was, I mean, he truly was a brilliant guy. You know, he he read all of ancient philosophy. He's probably the reason that my father is as smart as he is and definitely the reason that my father ventured from Parsons, Kansas, where he grew up, to Denver, which is essentially like moving to fucking New York City or Tokyo or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's truly a Jupiter-level move. What's the part... Parsons have a uh, like a prison facility. So what are they known for? I feel like I've, we're in the Midwest. I mean, they have fireworks stands. Firework stands <laughs> that kind of. Place. I think yeah. it's that you level. Ever drive through the highlands of Kansas, and it's like three hills, and you're like, this isn't fucking highlands. I know, I know. Oh, it's so flat there. Yeah. But you know that a lot of my family's from Southeast Kansas, which is where the Koch brothers are from. That's the only other real. Yeah. And um, you know they. Uh, you know, I still have family in Pittsburgh, Kansas, which has a university there. Yeah, the gorillas. The gorillas. That's right. And there's always inflatable gorillas everywhere. And I and I sometimes I'll forget that there's a university there because my family is just like from there. And like, my how many used car dealerships can you have? I really do. Every time I'm like, golly, they really like gorillas for promotional stuff. That's <laughs> really, really, it's really silly to then be like, oh yeah. Um. So, you know, he. He was just a great influence on all of our lives, and everybody really loved him. And so I kind of got to 
a place where I was doing a show in Chanute once a year. Think about how much different you would be if you would have grown up in Kansas rather than Denver. I can't even imagine. Don't. I don't I just, yeah, don't, don't. Don't take any time to imagine <laughs> such a thing. Please continue speaking. But I, I, you know, I spent, I've spent a lot of time in Kansas. And so, um, Chanute, and it was weird. Somebody said to me one year, they go, you know, you're the first stand-up comedian that we've had come through Chanute. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I would expect not many comedians come through here. And they're like, no, 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 you're the f- only. The art form has never been performed. You, you're the only person that's really ever performed in Chanute, Kansas, that isn't like a teen Christian rock band or like a local touring Kansas band. So I'm also the first and only national act to ever play there. And so... When my great uncle died, I said, you know, I'm going to come back here, do New Year's Eve. I'm going to bring Morgan. And there's, like, one person that owns the bar and the, like, I guess you could call it a restaurant, but it's really just another bar. And uh, she also owns, like, a Chinese food place or something. But she's kind of there. Her family is the kingpins of Chanute. So I'm going to their bar to do two shows. Kingpins of Chanute. Coming to theaters, it is a short that plays before Transformers Eight, and uh, and so I um, I was excited to do that. And I thought Kate would find that to be romantic, and instead she was like, "What the fuck are you doing you playing Chanute?" I mean, truly, but no, for her it's like we we finally live in New York, and my friend has this New Year's Eve party. Like, why aren't you staying now? We can't be together for New Year's Eve. And I was like, I thought you'd come to Chanute. And she's like, why the fuck would I come to Chanute, Kansas? Your uncle's dead. For civilians. Yeah. Your friend could be fucking Ryan Reynolds. Like, you could have some. You could have a really interesting party to go to. So I right. Can, I exactly. Exactly. And I think, but you know what? To me, I'm like, we go to parties all the time in New York. Like, yeah. that's all we do is just go nuts everywhere. And so I don't know, but it'll be, it's, we've agreed, and I put this forth, I go, all right, this is the last time I'll ever do comedy on a New Year's Eve. So this is kind of, it'll be a swan song to the idea of that. And part of that is, and Ryan might be able to speak to this, but like... It's a big money day for you guys. It's man. not anymore. It's not? So it used to be that comics would give up that holiday to a show because you'd really get paid a lot. 20%. But slowly, the yeah, that's about right. And slowly, the market has gotten to a point. It's nineteen percent, but you're right in there. Well, I mean, yes, we can yes and it. I keep it moving. Taco Bell's opening, and uh, and so I suffered through your Chanute story for like ten minutes. I know, and, and here I am with the no, it's twenty percent. That's the way it is. And so I, you know, I had this. Uh, I, I, we all, my agents also had this revelation that if people want to see comedy on New Year's Eve, they don't really care who it is. And they're not really going to pay extra because there are so many options that cost as much that are super fun. Somebody and I think it's just tended. That's true. No, no. I, no, I think, I think that's true. And I theoretically could do a big New Year's Eve blowout like in New York or something mm-hmm. like that. But because it's not a big money gig, and then I'll never forget, I'll tell this story real quick, that Kate, you know, I've known her since college, and 
she's yeah she's been there since the get-go and so she was there when i was like so one new year's eve she came in to spend it with me and i was doing a show because i could make like i think i made like 150 bucks and that was like huge and so i you know i wanted to well this fucking promoter dave odd was his last name was that a show name Yes, because yeah. his other name, if you Googled it, led to some pretty alarming things. And so he went as Dave Odd, and he goes, he was like, this is going to be great, but we did it at a melting pot fondue restaurant. Of course. And I found out that he had convinced these promoters to do it, but the promoters had sold enough dinner packages That's the way you do it. that... We were performing for people that were eating fondue, and a lot of them didn't know there was comedy. They came for fondue. And Kate had to sit in the audience and watch me, like, struggle and kind of bomb through. And I was, like, the main act, so I had to do the countdown. And it was a situation where I was going, all right, everybody, 10, not, and no one... No one yeah, did it along with yeah, me. Fuck, yeah, do Yeah, fond don't. How about you fond fucking don't, buddy? And so I'm sitting there going, oh, God, this is so horrible. And she was so sweet. She was like, I thought you did really well, and that was a really tough situation. And then we went out afterwards and, you know, went fucking insane. We've also had a tradition of celebrating different um, holidays on different days. So... Both of us forgot that it was our anniversary, and we were like, okay, we'll celebrate on Thursday. And then we did that. And we just, I think it's a big thing of thinking that, like, time is relative, and who knows about this Gregorian calendar that we're all on. My God. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and weekly, when the day starts on Monday, when the week starts on Monday. So, um, so like, we're going to spend New Year's Eve in Sag Harbor, at the American Hotel, and we'll do the countdown, we'll do champagne toast, the whole thing. Um, but it's, you know, so she's she's been really cool about that, but I, when I look back, I realize that there's been quite a few New Year's Eves that we just haven't spent together. I did Atlanta, I did the closing show at the Atlanta Improv, and I tried to burn the place down, because they were tearing down the building. Okay. And the owners, I was like, can I burn this place down, kind of joking, they're like, yeah, we don't care. I was like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, we're serious. So I got a bunch of fireworks. I, I forget what it was, but I got a bunch of fireworks. Yeah, and I tried to tear the improv sign off, but it's metal. So I cut my hand. I was bleeding, like, profusely. Cut my hand, and it really became that, because then I tried to light the curtains on fire. But I mistakenly, I don't know why I, like, follow like movie. Yeah. I, I don't know why I, I have lost so much blood. So in my mind, I, I do this a lot. I think that like movie logic applies to real life. So I poured vodka all over the curtains uh -huh. and I tried to light them on fire and it did not work yeah, at all. It was just wet and the curtains clearly were treated to be non-flammable like oh, all fabric. Sure. And I, I've tried and failed to light that on fire. Then I lit some fireworks, but it just like filled the room with smoke and so everyone was like oh god like there, there was no none of the fireworks would like go off and so 
Like, I couldn't, like, a couple of them were dummies. The smoke bombs, like, filled the plate. People were like, oh, my God. And then I was like, is it midnight yet? And somebody was like, yeah. So I missed the countdown, couldn't set the curtains on fire, filled the place with smoke. And then afterwards, it was a ball. Everybody, like, had a good time afterwards. But that was the most unsuccessful. And I called Kate and told her that, and I could sort of feel her being like, you could have been here, man. That was back when, you know, you made serious money for a night. I mean, it was easily exactly 20% more than I usually made. And so, uh, you know, so I I think think it's okay now to kind of let that night go. And also, the audiences are always so drunk. The countdown kind of somehow isn't, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody thinks of New Year's Eve, certainly Kate and I do, as being at a party. The whole party does the countdown. And then everybody kisses you know, their respective loved one or an animal that they really care for. And then you kind of carry on into the next, but it's the ball drop and all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's uh, definitely amateur hour. I I lived in Columbia, Missouri, big college town. Yeah. Where did you go to college? Uh, D.C. in Washington, D.C. Yeah, so I'm sure you experienced the same thing. I always just remember, as somebody who enjoys recreational drinking, taking it, up a few notches a few times. Sure, of course. A time or two. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst night. You're like, you I was an alcoholic for five years. <laughs> right. If you could stop mentioning alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 You have the shakes since I got in here. Yeah, the sweat is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you keep but, you keep pointing to the corner and mouthing elephants. <laughs> You're clearly in a detail. Word, I've got so, so much going on over here. It's the worst amateur night. Like, you, yeah. run, you run the biggest risk of uh, getting to a fight with Steve from accounting who's ready to just fucking... Yeah, people are somebody. puking, and you're like, what's happening? And then... Yeah. But the small party, killer. Yeah, right. the small party, and that's and kind of what this... Yeah, that's what this one is. It's a very kind of exclusive party in this guy's penthouse, so we get to watch the... Uh, he has a terrace, and we watch the the fireworks and you know it's a very it's also a very new york holiday you know that's a big yeah. that's a bigger deal in new york the only other place that's as big of a deal yeah. is probably tokyo and so we you know i think that we uh, yeah i i kind of i want that to be you know something that we do together from here on out but it's a great swan song to chanute um to sort of do that and i think i might continue to perform there um, but I don't know, you know, it's a weird thing where it's like my, my great uncle is dead and that town it's, it, you know, I go there for a reason. It creates a lot of business. They do more right. liquor sales when I'm there than they do in like two or three months. Whether it's set up as it is or not, it's, it's almost, uh, I'm not trying to, uh, sainthood you here, but, uh, it's almost charitable. Yeah, it's definitely a benefit. Well, I would make way more money doing New Year's Eve somewhere else, but I, it's nice to inject a lot of money into the economy, sort of have it like spread around to the servers and bartenders that then go and spend that yeah. money on stuff. But Chanute is a town where like it's there's only one bar and they have trouble keeping that bar open because people that money wise, they're like, let's just get a fucking rack of beer and get wasted at home. And when you walk around at night, you pass by, people are just, like, partying hard on, like, a Tuesday night. A lot of people are unemployed. We call it road tripping where I grew up. A lot of people drink on back roads while they're driving. Yeah, there's definitely that. I mean, there's a drive-thru liquor store. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah called Booze Brothers. And they are illegally using images of, of course, illegal use of images. It's weird you would bring this up, too. And I guess not that weird because I was involved with it. But, like, you know, are you familiar with the all things comedy stuff? Uh, Bill Burr's company. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the dude, he's got a really funny look. He's in the, that group, The Wave, uh, and he's in the goddamn comedy jam. Oh, I was just kid. talking to Josh Adam Jeremiah. Myers. Yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he was posting something, and he's back in Kansas. <laughs> anything that guy, he just has the funniest look ever. But the, <laughs> he's like showing a Christian comedy album that his parents gave him, whatever he was growing up. So I'm getting, I'm getting more of a peek into the, the Kansas to the Kansas world. Well, and the Main Street kind of has a lot of places that are closed. And I, I think another thing that I really like about it is, I because I travel everywhere. I th- you know I have a lot of contemporaries that kind of don't want to play places that are hard. They're not looking forward to Des Moines, Iowa. You know, which those can be some of the best shows I bet. Oh, for sure, because yeah. they're there going, oh my god, we can't believe that this, this is a bucket is list item for for people like that. Yeah, Seriously, to be sure, yeah, to be sure. And so um, I. You know, in Chanute, though, I, I get a real sense of America in the sense that these people during the Obama administration, just in general, you know, I'd go one year and they'd be like, yeah, they closed uh, a sector of the Ashland cement, or cement factory. And then I would go the next year and they're like, they're talking about reopening that, that's that, you know, section factory. And then I would go back, and they're like, yeah, they're not going to reopen it. But some people said that maybe there's going to be more work in the oil fields. And then I would come back, and they're like, yeah, the work's kind of dried up in the oil fields. But they're talking about, you know, b- rebuilding the, um, you know, the, some factory the other something. cement factory yeah. across the street. And each time I would come back, it just became more and more depressed. And my father describes something that was so depressing. And he goes, there's a brain drain in places like this because what happens is everybody tries to get out of these small towns and go make it in the big city, which in this case is like Kansas City or like Wichita or Pittsburgh. You been to Wichita? Yes. I hate that city so It's much. a tough one. That's where the Koch brothers are from. So we... I, I, I don't have a disdain for it. I think it's, it's big a, enough where... It's got a bad vibe. They'll try it. Yes. It's they, like, kind of a bad there's vibe. Like guys, My grandfather went to school there, so I don't talk shit on it really that much, but it's... Wichita State's a cool college, and I'm sure there's bad, some good stuff there. It's a, there's something going on there. I mean, the Koch brothers, are from, they're the most right. evil of all. So, um, you know, I think what I began to understand was while all of my sort of Los Angeles and... New York friends were like, I can't believe these people are falling for this president's what he's shilling. And I was one of the few people that was like, I can. And I called it. I had people all around me being like, there's no way. And I was like, I don't think this is going to go. And I, I dumped so much money into not her because I was not a fan, but I was sort of a fan of Bernie Sanders. I thought that was would be an interesting play, and that mm-hmm. might be an option in 2020. It's really old, man. If everyone says that, but it's like it doesn't matter. Like it's people fair. are, everyone is so old in that world right now. Yeah. That and 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 I'm sure it would be lovely to have like a fresh new candidate. Where but are he they, really yeah. built a huge fucking following. He did, and he got cheated out of the the nomination. Which, if you watch Michael Moore's 
thing, um, Fahrenheit uh, 11.9, which, how much did he luck out on that fucking title switch? Right. But, I mean, God, <laughs> even who'd somebody... somebody He's like, well, I guess say, I gotta make... A, I think Bill Maher, somebody was like, that is the luckiest thing on the face of the planet. And he was like, no, it's not. The world is burning. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I could understand why people were like, we are happy to hear somebody... First of all, don't give a shit that he says grab him by the pussy because, and I was totally, in Los Angeles, you're really, really myopically out of touch. It's really, really, now, and especially now that I live in New York, I look at those people and I'm like, you guys don't know what the fuck is going on. It's wild, man. It's really weird. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Like, I moved away from Los Angeles because the entire time I lived there, I was like, I fucking hate this place. It's right. so hard to be here. There's so many bad things about living here. There's so few good things about living here. Kate and I always wanted to live in New York since college, but because I wanted to be a Manhattan stand-up comic, and she kind of wanted to be what she is, which is sort of a mixed-media artist, sort of socialite, philanthropist-type person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I just felt like, you know, most women in America, when a guy's like, you know, you're famous, you grab him by the pussy, it's like they heard... Their husband's friend came over and talked much more offensively than that. And she was like, come on, man. He's such a, he was drunk. Like, can we stop inviting him over? And her husband's like, just don't pay attention to him. He's just, he was right. drinking and he said, he said, you have a nice ass. And he was, he was a compliment. So that they're just out of touch with Correct. the reality of how little people give a shit. You know, we're living in an outrage culture is what people are starting to say right now. And, um, I think that. The this outrage that people feel is so distant from how America actually feels. And Cash Levy and I were talking about he was looking at Bill Simmons' podcast and he, you know, he showed me this clip where you know Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman were talking and they um again, most of America doesn't know who the fuck those people are. Chuck, I but, really like your books. Um but and so yeah, they are great books. Um, but, you know, they said something like only 11% of the country is on Twitter. And so it's this weird thing where, and that's what they were talking about. They were like, most people don't know that any of this is happening. It feels like you have a lot of that 11% on top of effectively a media mountain that can reach a ton of people. So it feels more real than it actually well, is. Well, and, and people say things like, all right, well, you watch the news and they mention tweets, and it's like, how many tweets do they mention? How many people are really actually glued to these news things? Because how many people work eight hours, go home, put on Netflix, or get drunk? Yep. And then that's the day. And when they got somebody being like, I'm going to make America what it used to be, everybody's looking back at their life 10 years ago being like, it was pretty good then. And so, you know, it's 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 been a very distressing time and yet i have been fortunate to stop being i think i i think when everything went down i had this like sense of i've got to go across the country and because then i was like leaving silicon valley and i was like now i can go across the country and you know do stand up and talk to people and as i did it i was thinking uh, people don't really want to hear about politics they're actually paying me to help them not think about the release valve for a couple and, of hours and so. i wasn't a political comedian before and i'm not one now 
And so I understood slowly that like I needed to return to social satire and be focusing on philosophy and things that are much bigger than the idea of politics or nation states and more about the human condition in general. And Got more staying power. Yeah, to be sure. And um, also the big problem was is everybody on you know on the coast were sort of saying we you're supposed to listen to us about how to live. And that's just not the case for a bunch of reasons. And one of them is that they don't know how to live. That in Los Angeles, they're all... This was the thing that I was talking about early on. For the social preaching, I was in L.A. It was, two months it's ago. bananas. For the social preaching, walk down through downtown L.A. and walk past the typhus outbreak and the encampments and all this stuff. These yeah, are obviously Skid mentally Row. ill people that need your help. Skid Row. Where the fuck are... Where are you guys at? Like, that's, that's the one thing... And I then you got Natalie Portman telling... Hundreds of powerful women and wives of producers like we need to empower and talk about and not just here in the factories in the health care system. And it's like, what are you doing to help that at all? What it, you're just saying that Bloviating. to people that what bloviating. Yeah, totally. And I have no idea what that word means, but I am just going to agree it, with you just like just like the 20 percent thing. I'm yes. And um, but I. You know, I think that slowly but surely I was lucky to kind of realize the fog and that they're living in. And, the, you know, I mean, I think that that's one way that he's a genius uh, and he's not a genius in really any ways. But I think one way that he's really smart is he, he accurately realized that, like, people don't people watching football don't really care or listen to the protest that's happening on the field. So he could just sort of manipulate that. This transgender thing of like, I identify as a they. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm a woman, even though I'm born with a male body, I'm a woman and I want to be able to use a women's bathroom. That applies to no one. That is, there are percent people that are and i'm sure there's people outraged solved, right yeah. now listening solved, to what i'm saying it be solved locally so easy too like i don't just use the family bathroom like all of us do when we can yeah. uh, everybody goes into that family bathroom when they it can was, it was really strange to see that i'm just like that like I'm all for. Hey, let, I'm not judging the whatever's I, happening I think, here. But what like, I'm why saying are we burning is, everything down? what what I'm saying is, no one cares. Not in terms of like, why that, are you even you talking about that? Yeah, you, exactly. And you know, there's all yeah. these people that are saying, well, they need to be. You you need to be more sensitive. I can't believe you're not. And like, none of them have any transgender friends. Like I, I do that I, with black people all the time. I was yeah. like, when the fuck do you eat lunch with a black dude? And I'm like, yeah. I, and I'm like, I, I work with 15 black people on yeah. a weekly basis. And I have people telling me this, that, or the other. I'm like, when's the last time you were in a yeah, black person's home? They're going nuts about Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, that's, that's incredibly important, but you're not doing anything except for yelling about it on Twitter. Yeah. And so it becomes a lot of that stuff. And I think, you know, what you're saying is what I feel, which is like, who cares? If you want to go in and use a stall in a women's bathroom and you are dressed and look like a woman. And if somebody jump, if three dudes that have struggles with their own sexuality jump you out of hate for you, they will be dealt with accordingly. Yeah. Like you have to think. I mean, I, mean, I think. Whatever. No, I think exactly. <laughs> no, no, I think exactly. And I think, you know, it's it, it was this Nanette factor when did you ever see Nanette, the Netflix special? 
That like made huge waves on the internet or oh, something, I was which again is like ten percent of the world. Australian. Yeah, and she sort of talks it, shit about comedy, then tells a horrible rape story at the end of it that is not funny, and I'm sitting there being like, "This is so self entitled. You're being so selfish," and there's a a lot of women in the audience that instead of being able to have this escapist moment, you're just reminding them of a terrible thing that happened in their life. Very confusing. And it's, so it's, it's a really difficult thing. And then, you know, I went on Jim Norton, Jim and Sam's show, and I, I, you know, I was going to talk about the comedy of that. And, uh, and people were just like, they, they were like, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about movie pass. And I was like, Oh, what happened with Movie Pass? And they're like, "Well, it's going under. It was a complete disaster." And so we talk about that, and then I go back and just as a joke, I was like, "So what's going on with Movie Pass right now?" And they were like, "We're not talking about that. We're talking about Cameo." And I'm like, "Oh, you guys are looking at Cameo. I'm on Cameo." And they're like, "Okay, let's look at a couple of Cameos." And we did, and it was like Tommy Lee. Do you guys know what Cameo is? Yeah, it's where you. Is that where you? People pay for you to do to do message. a shout out. I saw, yeah, I saw somebody. Uh, so we watched Tommy Lee and a couple other people, and it was so sad. So I immediately got off Cameo, <laughs> but it was such a, and that's the other thing about culture right now is that we're culture moves so fast, uh -huh. where it just it's such a speed of light situation that no one keeps up with anything. Why would they? You know, and right. so that's another problem is that it's not that the public doesn't have. A long like it's not like oh the public has such a short-term memory it's not that it's that we're on information overload and to even mildly keep up Stop. you have to somebody was like have you seen cam on netflix and i was like no but i've heard about it. i have a joke about this where i'm like you know all of our conversations now are these streaming conversations that are like oh so i, f I finished ozark season two have you seen that no, no no i haven't finished even season one but i started watching uh, making a murder have you watched that no i haven't seen it but have you heard about american vandal no i haven't heard about it why have you watched it no but i heard about it so i finally finished the oj simpson documentary no way the one on fx it's so good no no the one on espn oh i heard there's a documentary on espn have you seen the fx one no i haven't seen it have you seen snowfall what is that i think it's on fx no i think it's on showtime have you seen shameless and it's like what the fuck are we talking about? We're not connecting. We're just giving each other assignments and feeling bad that we haven't finished our assignments. And when I do that bit, the entire audience is like, yeah. See them like, taking each nibble. They're, ju yeah. they're, they're just like kind of shaking their heads and agreeing and being like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's real. And so I think we're getting pretty close. Like I think Netflix is dangerously close to becoming uncool. I think we're Be sure to check out TJ on F is for family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On it, on it. That's actually a great show. <laughs> yeah, there I go. There I go. Man, yeah. Well, and it's great that we both have seen that. So yeah, some that things is, that's on my little thing. Yeah. Some yeah. some things break into the cultural zeitgeist. I think Ozark did do that. And I guess Making a Murder did. But now that's becoming f f like same things happening with specials, man. That's fractioning absolutely. Yeah. But like, there's there's a fracturing of that stuff because you tell me making a murderer is great. Well, I have to choose whether to watch that, which isn't really my cup of tea, or watch a comedy special. And I have friends who have comedy specials. I used to kind of be friends with this guy Hari Kondabalu. Have you ever heard of him? Mm -hmm. So when we're all we're we're people that are aware of these. And I started to watch his special, and I watched 20 minutes, and it's like an hour special. And I watched 20 minutes, and I was like. Uh, I can do something else. I'll never watch the rest of his special, ever. 
and I know him. And there's other comedians, like Pete Holmes has an HBO special, and I just haven't had time to watch. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, say, you've been on Crashing. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I'm kind of, like, excited about Crash, but I never watched the rest of Crashing. I'm in a weird... You're on, I'm a- on that fucking TV show. <laughs> you're, you're on a much closer level. I feel the same way I would... The same uh, way. Because I, I see people in clubs all the time, uh, you know, work with whomever, yeah. and then you watch that special, and you're like, I respect this person and find them to be incredibly funny, and I just... I'm not feeling it. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just how it, but I also understand the business importance of it. Wow. So have you seen Adam Sandler's 100% Fresh? I did. So again, we're around the same age. Uh, It was a slice of Adam Sandler. And I thought it was. And the good, the good, good, good Adam Sandler. Yeah, And you know, he was having fun. I, uh. I felt it was cheating to make me get teary-eyed with the Farley tribute, and I was oh, like, yeah, here's "I the, am your audience." Now me. I will, and now I will reveal this, which is I haven't seen the whole thing, That's so I haven't even end. seen yeah. the ending of it because I was waiting to watch it with Kate, and then Kate and I started to watch it, and Kate fell asleep, and I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna go to sleep." So it's this thing where it's like, I think that's brilliant. And I think that I'm going to do my special at a bunch of different places. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do it at a couple clubs and right. a theater and then like edit all that stuff together. Because I think that lends itself a little bit better. Well, if we're to, playing that game where everybody's doing a spe- like it's really cool. Um, like Pete's special is just him standing and talking. In a yeah, theater. I was thinking like Joe Coy doing his big special in Seattle, all that shit. But if you're if you're playing this game where everything doesn't have to be exactly traditional, throw some flair on it. And if yeah, that's if that's sure. making it essentially a clip show, not a clip show, a highlight reel of the same act and putting why the fuck not? I think that's the deal. I was playing around with and might still do this because I'm building out different chunks in my act. Um, I was thinking of doing five 25 minute specials, and you see them as episodes under the TJ Miller Mayhem mm-hmm. channel on Netflix. I mean, a lot of people that say they're on Netflix have 15 minutes. Like, they do that Netflix, like, whatever they chop it up. Like, maybe that's what we need. You know I what mean, I mean? You know, it, it's more because you you're asking somebody to sit there for I'm 90 a, minutes. When I'm who I am and I'm not able to finish hour long specials, and I study culture, I say the same. Like, Damn thing. I'm like, I love these people, and I can't watch it. And do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Oh, yeah. And so that takes up a bunch of your time. And that, to me, that's like... <laughs> to me, ripped my a- underwear. <laughs> Lucky thing, these are terrible underwear. You need to get you like a MeUndies sponsor. <laughs> Truly. Uh, the, the podcast stuff, but... Hers.com. <laughs> I'm sure you got to get hit the road or whatever. But, uh, no, the podcast stuff for me, like I remember... I, couple spots on Corolla that you did were just super fun. All yeah, the yeah. other podcasts. Yeah, that Doug to Benson. me, because I'm always moving around, I'm super busy. To me, that I can do that and do other stuff. So I find right. that to be kind of my core source of but information. But the podcast explosion is kind of over. I've talked to Doug Benson about that. You have guys on All Things Comedy ending. Uh, just I say that because I'm close to it, familiar yeah. with it. Uh, I just Ian Bag and I just cut ours out because we did it for a year. We did a live show down in Phoenix. Ian we Bag's just so like, funny. On, he... Wait till that guy gets some publicity behind him because so his, his live experience. But no, Steve Byrne just cut his. Uh, he just killed his. Um, there's others. There's the huge ones at the top, but like Corolla has a whole business behind it. Rogan's yeah. unstoppable. Well, Doug Benson Aaron's said thing. to me, he goes, you know, I think I got in there right exactly at yep. the time that he's like, I don't get more listeners, but I stay. People have built it into their lives. Mm-hmm. And then Cash Levy and I have a podcast called Cashing with TJ Miller. Check it out. It's very, 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 very funny and strange and weird. And ours is like, it's a guest, um, 
he tries to have different guests on, but it it's ended up so far that I've been the only guest on the show. And it's just, it's really, really fun. But we have sort of this army called the 12 and a half because we have about 12 and a half listeners. Good. And um, we have this army of people that it is, the podcast means so much to them. Right. So we'll continue to do it, I think, in perpetuity without the expectation of it creating a ton of, you know, when you, I... You form that perfect Well, and when I, when I do a comedy club, maybe three to five people come up afterwards and they're like, I'm a huge fan of your podcast. But when I did Scandinavia, every show, people were like, I can't believe you came to Stavanger, Norway. And I love your podcast. Did you Are have you the same experience? That's what uh, Ian went over there with Gabe Iglesias and said. And Ian's just like, I don't know that I've met more beautiful, amazing people in my life. Yeah, like, true. they were just so thankful to be at a comedy show. But let me tell, okay, let me tell this story because I think this is really funny. And then, yeah, do we have to jettison? <laughs> you probably just missed your, uh, okay. your express obligation. I, yeah, yeah. I, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> we need the press. Uh, and so, um, uh, so in Norway... I had this, I went to Bergen, Bergen, Norway, and this this guy comes up. I'm, like, taking pictures with everybody just because I'm, like, it's so weird that I'm popular here. So I'm taking pictures with people, and this one dude comes up to me, and he's, like, there's a group of people, and the guy goes, can you pick me up and hold me like a baby for this next picture? And I was, like, no. He was like, come on, you know how funny it would be if you picked me up? And I was like, I'm not doing that, man. And he's like, okay. And as he's leaving, he goes, it would have been great if you had picked me up. And I was like, that's so weird. Then this guy comes with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend goes, this is a weird question, but he wants to ask you something. And the guy was like, can I pick you up? And I was like, what? No. What are you guys talking? And so then another couple comes forth, and this girl goes, can I ask you a weird question? I was like, it's not going to be weirder than the last question. And she goes, will you pick up my boyfriend? Like, will you pick him up in the air and see if you can be? I was like, what the fuck is going on in Norway? And then I looked it up, and they are the original, like, strong. And it makes sense. They're all Vikings. And so a big thing with them is, like, can you pick up another person? But what's weird is they're not into wrestling there at all. They're into, like, can you pick up a huge tractor tire and flip it over? Can you pick up a barrel filled with sand and carry it across the field? Magnus Bear Magnuson. And so, exactly. And so that that's my experience in Norway is that they want me to pick them up or they want to pick me up. Not and a small people there either. Yeah, you're, they're all they're pretty like gigantic. Six two, like but I'm you know, I think that's what they like. I think that's part like, of why I'm big oh, in Scandinavia is they're like, he's an awfully big fellow. Let's go see the comedy of that gigantic man. <laughs> Perfect. TJ Miller. Thank at Helium you. Comedy Club. Very nice to speak with you. Man. Helium Comedy Club. I'm really uh, glad tonight, we didn't get to dive shows. into your unbelievable career, too. Yeah. I know. That's yeah, important. I won't shoot my foot Dead, Once Upon a Deadpool, <laughs> Office Christmas Party, Ready Player One, you got to see it. Um, and uh, and so I, um, yeah, what, I'm, do, I'm doing quick, a movie with question. Drew Barrymore. That's going to be such a fun thing to talk about. But, um, yeah, last question. And then tonight, She's two so shows, charming. Friday, Saturday, two shows. She's such a sweetheart. Yeah. I, uh, yes, I've, I've talked with Tom Green quite a bit. And he said, uh, he even, he gives like, she's great. She's yeah, fantastic. she's a great person. Uh, most, uh, I guess, um, Deadpool's easy because it's so popular and very now. Mm-hmm. Anybody uh, come up to you and ask about a specific project more than you would think? Like, uh, the she's out of my league. People. Extract and already brother. She's out of my league somehow. Even when I was doing it, I was like, 
Uh, this isn't a movie that I would love, but mm-hmm. I was like, America's going to love it. And well, it's cute. The, the person yeah. behind all of those things, things is Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg produced, she's out of my league, he produced Office Christmas Party. He put me in Ready Player One. The first show that I was on Carpoolers was produced by his television department. He also produced He produced a lot of the, well, the How to Train Your Dragons that I'm, mm-hmm. I was in. And the television series came from DreamWorks. So he's been like my weird, great expectations benefactor behind the scenes, always say, trying to shape yeah. and create. And the reason is because he just thinks I'm really funny. Something about me. That's, that's, that's how so, But something works. about me, he's like, yeah, guy, he just tickles my funny bone. <laughs> and I don't know how the fuck it happened that way. But yeah. And he produced Transformers. He's the reason that I was in Transformers 4. He's a pretty great guy. I love he's that a guy. Great, he's a good guy. We're good Cheetos you, brothers, and I'll tell you that story on the next one. We'll have to do it again. Thank man. you he so much. All it was long. really, really fun it talking was. to you, Very man. Very nice chat, man. Take care. It's great. We are live, live, live. We are live, live, live. We are live, live.